the ideas you come up with with zero or little budget tend to be more authentically perceived than those that have a million dollars behind them. They force you to be more creative. That's Tim Snape, the marketing director at Heaps Normal. The role of marketing director of the iconic new brand Heaps Normal is fascinating to me. It is a non-alcoholic Australian beer brand that's been around for about three years and literally everyone is talking about it. Everything they do kind of turns to gold and, as Tim says, he's kind of strapped to a rocket ship. So how does that team work day in and day out against Australia's world-renowned drinking culture to make their mark? Spoiler alert, they don't. They actually work with the world-renowned drinking culture and that is all a part of their secret sauce. This episode was super insightful and it really helped me think outside the box as we took a closer look inside what's really happening day to day inside the brand that everyone is talking about. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which this podcast was recorded on, on my end in Melbourne, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and for Tim, the Gadigal of the Eora. I extend my respects to both elders past and present. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm Arielle Thomas, Motion Director and Social Strategist. I can't wait to bring you into the world of some of my guests, the creme de la creme of the creative industries internationally, as we unpack their unique creative process. Speaking on unique processes, you guys didn't get an episode from me last week because I was processing some heaviness of my own. I am directing a three-part breast cancer documentary at the moment, and it was after a huge week on the tools. It was supposed to be that monthly personal episode and it literally hit me like a deer in headlights. I thought that I was going to be fine. I had a loose idea of what I was going to talk about, which in the past has really worked for me. I guess the grief, the emotion behind coming to terms with the subject matter, becoming these women's friend and the responsibility that I have among all the other work that I'm doing at the moment, I think it all just hit me and it was happening. I plugged in my microphone and I just couldn't necessarily, I'm not, I could, it's not that I couldn't put a coherent sentence together. I just think I was expressing so much. It just wasn't an episode. It was a stream of consciousness. And I don't think that that is necessarily what was the best thing to do and to put out. Those themes are still bubbling away for me. So I just basically didn't put an episode out. I guess it was literally process at its finest. And here is my admission that sometimes we all need a moment off the microphone, out of the spotlight, I guess, and just a moment to oneself because when we process grief, emotion, intellectualizing a world that is not our own and creativity is thrown into that mix, it takes time before you can, I guess, regurgitate or express yourself in a way that Essentially, it would have been time-stamped and I want to be putting out episodes that I'm proud of forever and it was just a little bit messy. However, I'm back. We're all good. Let's dive in. Heaps Normal. I'm really excited to chat to you because Heaps Normal is kind of a big deal. Is it? I don't know. Is it it a big deal? Yes, definitely. (laughs) As soon as I say Heaps Normal, everyone's like, ah. Ooh. How do you pitch what Heaps Normal is? Like, what's the tagline? Yeah, I mean, um, like on uh, face value, we're a, a non-alcoholic beer company, a dedicated non-alcoholic beer company. But we're really founded on this idea that some things are too good to be wasted. And that's obviously a, a play on words and a bit of a double entendre. But the brand was formed by four guys who each had you know slightly different reasons reasons for wanting to cut back on on the alcohol and on drinking but they were kind of unified by this idea that you know Australian drinking culture really supports this notion that in order to have a good time you need to get blackout drunk and and shitfaced and and for us um, you know we were trying to find a, a product that allowed people to still have a good time and still drink if they want to but not get to that point where they're wasted, they're blackout, they forget what's going on and those really cool things that you're doing become, you know, almost um, unrecognizable memories. So so the brand has really been positioned around this idea of, of things that are, that are too good to be wasted and that, you know, that manifests itself in a whole bunch of different ways. That could be hanging out with your, your mates at a party or a barbecue. It could be, you know, going to a sporting event. It could be going to a gig, um, 
it could be hanging out and having dinner with your family. But you know, the thing that, that unifies all those experiences is that you don't want to not remember them because they're awesome. So um, that's what that's yeah. what our brand is all about. The four founders, yeah. they were pretty well established, like career people, right? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, um, Andy and Pete, so Andy's our CEO, Pete's our uh, chief creative officer. They're both from marketing and, and brand backgrounds. Pete actually still runs his own branding studio on the side. Um, and Andy has a background in music and, and brewing marketing. So he used to head up marketing at Young Henry's. Then Benny, um, our, our chief operations officer, head brewer, also used to work at Young Henry's um, as, as their head brewer. Um, and has worked at a number of different breweries over the years and also has a background in the arts. Like he studied photography at university. And then Jordy um, is a pro surfer. Um, so he's he's out on the pro surfing world tour. I'm probably going to name that the wrong thing, but he um, he's an elite athlete. And I think as of yesterday, was just accepted into the South African team for the 2024 Olympics as well. So he's like a proper... Oh, my God proper athlete and so um like legit. And, and legit pretty <laughs> legit yeah and and old mates with pete so the four of them kind of got together and said hey we think there's an idea in this thing um let's right. make something happen where did you come into the piece how old is heaps normal first of all heaps normal is coming up on our third birthday in july which it's is so young very, it's very, very young yeah it's been a bit of a wild wow. ride yeah, so I, I came in about halfway through that, about a year and a half ago, um, and so yeah, I've been I've been at Heaps for about a, about a year and a half, and before that, um, worked in a bunch of different marketing roles, but spent most of the last ten years at Sydney Opera House, heading up the heading up the digital team and and the marketing teams there. So a very different, new, fun thing for me to come into what is effectively FMCG and, and phys- it's the first time I've ever actually worked in a business that sells a physical product, which has been quite a learning oh. process. So, so that's been cool. Very, a very different beast to anything I've done before. When did Heaps Normal really start to make some noise? Like I remember um, the first moment I tried it, which was a couple of days after they did the first brew. Like I'm, I'm old friends with Benny, the head brewer. And it was, it was during, I remember during COVID, um, Benny brought around a bunch of just plain silver tins and he, he kind of pitched like the, proto- like samples kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- very early prototypes. And he pitched the idea to me and, and I was, I was like, what are you thinking, man? Like no one's going to want to drink non-alcoholic beer. And, um, I tried it <laughs> Yeah. and I, and I tried it and I was immediately just like blown away. I was like, wow, like this, this tastes like the Rob McCoy, um, and from then on, it's just been kind of a, you know, an exponential ascendance, I guess. Like once, once people started trying the beer and realized that it tasted like the real thing and that they could have that same kind of experience without any of yeah. the downsides, like that, that idea has really resonated with so many drinkers, I think. And it's really propelled the brand from, you know, where it was three years ago as a tiny little startup to where we are now you know, stocked in so many amazing bars, restaurants, bottle shops, pubs, and, you know, Woolies and Coles even now. So it's, it's been a pretty phenomenal ride. So how do you think that I've got like multiple friends that are like, mm. I would love to start a brewery. Like I'm going to start doing shit. Yeah. How do you think the heat normal set themselves up for success from the get go? Then old mate down the road would. Yeah, I think, you know, I obviously wasn't there at the very beginning, but the thing that stood out to me um, as a as the eighth or ninth employee it was just the sense of mission and vision, um, and 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 the values behind that that kind of drive everything that we do as a company. So, our mission as a company is really to evolve Australian drinking culture, and that means yeah. that that means that you know that. Every time we sell a beer, we are answering that mission. Our, our mission and our purpose as an organization are kind of baked in to our very business model, which is really rare, I think, for a lot of purpose-driven organizations. Um, and so we're super lucky in that we have a mission that is something that we can all personally tether ourselves to, but that aligns perfectly to our commercial imperatives as well. So it means that... You know, the more we sell, the more we grow, the more we're, we're achieving that, that miss, mission as an organization. So I think that's the thing that really stands out to me. And it, it's the thing that attracts, it attracted myself and it attracts a lot of, a lot of staff to the organization. 
So how, what are the challenges of marketing a non-alcoholic beer, especially in a country like Australia? Mm. Because that's wild. Yeah. I mean, Australia obviously has a really strong traditional drinking culture and an identity that kind of sits around that. Um, but, you know, we've mm. come in, we've come in at a time when that identity and people's experience with alcohol has been challenged by things like the pandemic, you know, more consciousness over physical and mental health and younger generations, like really, you know, vehemently rejecting the vices of their parents. So we're seeing that culture shift away from one where it's all about chugging as many beers as you possibly can and getting shit faced and more about drinking to enjoy the present really. And so, you know, I think we're playing a small part in that, like we're, we're helping people have those experiences without getting completely fucked up. And the funny thing about our, our, how our beer is consumed as well is that a lot of people assume that it's a drink for sober people, but most of the people who drink our beer still drink alcohol including myself, we're just choosing to drink slightly less. We're drinking heaps normals in between alcoholic beers and alcoholic beverages just so that we don't get as messy at the end of the night and that we don't have as bad a hangover or in some cases no hangover at all the next day, which is which is cool. But literal challenges mm. because, like, the marketer for Australia's, like, yes, you guys are in a fantastic position with where mm. the, your demographic are at post-pandemic and stuff like that, but how, like, you must have had some things where you're like, oh, fuck, like this is tricky. Yeah, I mean, like the obvious one is just getting laughed out of bottle shops and bars when we first started, right? Like, and, and that happened <laughs> that, that happened all the time, like talking talking to the founders and their experience in the first six months. Like they'd go into bottle shops and people would just tell them to fuck off because they didn't believe in the idea of a non-alcoholic beer. And in some cases mm. they were like, you know, literally laughed out of venues thinking, you know, pe- people saying um, – there's no way this is going to stick. You guys are crazy. You're going to lose all your money. Um, and so that was really the biggest challenge. And that that challenge still persists in, in some venues that are out there. It's changing and it's definitely changing more in the kind of inner city areas where our drinkers tend to be located. But um, it's it's still a thing that exists. There's still a, you know, stigma against non-alcoholic beer. And I think that's partly because non-alcoholic beer for such a long time has been pretty shit um, and hasn't really tasted yeah, of like... the quality of it. hasn't really tasted like normal beer. So, you know, cr- all credit to Benny who came up with that initial recipe in creating something that actually tastes like beer and, and gives you that feeling that you're drinking a beer. And in many cases, you know, we hear back from people that it does have a bit of a placebo effect as well. You get a bit of a buzz from it that you know comes from the experience rather than from the alcohol when you walk into kind of like an infrastructure of marketing that was already kind of set up obviously them being marketers they'd set what they wanted how does creativity come into the piece for you um look creativity is everything at, at heaps normal like um we have this this rule where if we think an idea can be executed by another brand we tend to stay away from it and that like not only oh, applies wow. to that, that not only applies to the actual creative ideas and concepts and all that sort of stuff, but, but how we work, like all of our systems and processes, our culture. And that's, I think one of the most appealing things about working at Heaps Normal. So for me, um, you know, f- for me personally, uh, it's been one of the most creatively free organizations I've ever worked in. And that's because the brand and the way that it's applied isn't about, making sure everything looks exactly the same. It's really more about the essence of Heaps Normal, which is all about weirdness and it's all about people finding and creating and sharing their own stories and their own normals. And so that really opens up the, um, you know, opens opens up the capability to be as creative as, as you want to be, which is awesome. Is there something that you guys have done recently that you're super proud of? Oh, look, I'm proud of everything really. But, um, I think the thing in the last year that I'm most proud of is probably Normfest. So we decided kind of midway through last year to run just a fuck off huge music festival at the end of last year and, <laughs> and pro Amazing. and program that on the basis that we were looking to kind of smash together different subcultures in Sydney. So we programmed a bunch of country music, a bunch of, um, punk music from like the Sydney punk scene and then, um, a rap group from Western Sydney called One Three Hundred, and and just seeing like the punk kids at this festival uh, watch 
the rap show and really get into it. And on the flip side, the punk kid, the, the rap kids watch the punk show and really get into it. That's what we're all about. We're all about kind of creating new ways of thinking about things. And as that applies to music, it was really exciting to see that all come together. And um, I think we all felt really proud that we were kind of doing something that hadn't been done before. How did you guys serve alcohol at that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We even had um, our mate Mike Benny, who owns P and V up in Sydney, and is a really well-known um, booze commentator. Curate a list of alcoholic and non-alcoholic bevs for everyone. So yeah, we're by no yeah. means anti-alcohol. Like there, there, there will always be booze available at our events. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, what sort of spaces are you working in at the moment to see like a new? normal because when you go onto heaps normal the copy is exquisite by the way oh, and it's you. so good because it, it just like reads the exact way that you want to take something in mm. you know how when you read copy and it's kind of jarring the way they've said it or they're trying too hard or it's yep. like just not necessarily like on your level to take in it's kind of like going from reading like a like a romance novel to picking up <laughs> fucking Tolstoy yeah. you're like uh, like it's jarring you know so when you're on the heaps normal website it just reads so beautifully but it's really apparent that you guys are moving into spaces and cultivating change mm. but where does change actually start for you as a marketer like mm. if you've got like a new initiative and shit how are you like let's begin yeah <laughs> it's yeah. hard and intimidating oh totally like even if, if you, like process the podcast personally I'm working on there are a lot of podcasts out there that when you think of someone you that like a podcast, like she's on the money, Victoria Devine's community. Mm. Are you familiar yeah. with that pod? So she's got the Facebook group, yeah. right? And it's very, um, it's really community driven. She's got an enormous Facebook group, I think, because she probably established it in the Facebook heyday that that was like where you would mm. go to start mm-hmm. a group of people together. Now I'm not really sure where that is to bring people in to start conversation like that, but she offered like a budget and all that. And when you think of she's on the money doing well, you think of the community mm-hmm. doing well, mm-hmm. whereas like revenue wise as well, because you know that they're putting their money into assets to help mm-hmm. others. And then when you think of someone like Steve who ha- who is like the CEO, um, diary of a CEO, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have a community driven element they have steve mm. as the face of it yeah. you think of their revenue going up the charts you think of steve's wallet growing mm. you don't necessarily think of like so i'm working it on like how to basically go the she's on the money realm of like creativity and working on that mm. piece but i'm just like fuck that's a big task because i don't know where to start yeah. so although, you've obviously got a fantastic foundation because you've got the founders and them, they were in marketing they speak your language yep. and all of that but where does one begin? Oh, Change. Look, I wish I knew the answer to that. But I mean, like if we take it back to our mission and our vision, which is around, you know, evolving Australian drinking culture, if you think Australian drinking culture is a subset of Australian culture. So we look at some of those mm. key cultural arenas in, in Australia, which for Australians are sports, it's music, and it's of course the pub and, and the bar. So we reckon yeah. we reckon that change starts with the tastemakers in each of those worlds, and so we've we've kind of deliberately, as a business, um, sought to you know target those worlds and and infiltrate those worlds and change the cultures within those worlds. So we we look at those tastemakers in each of those arenas. So that's the influential musicians and artists. It's the bartenders in the coolest venues in town. It's the sports people. It's the publicans. And, and so that's where we focus our efforts is in generating and building those relationships and then allowing those people to have a conversation with the, with, with their own communities about what we're doing. And, um, you know, it's a combination of the product and the fact that the product is high quality and tastes great. And it's also, they, they believe in our mission, our vision and and the type of content that we put out into the world as well. So um, that's where it all really starts. So when you say tastemakers, Mm. are you taking tastemakers and making them kind of like ambassadors? Yeah. I mean, we don't like to use the word. So that they talk about it. Yeah. I mean, we don't like to use the word ambassador because that's such a kind of, you know, traditional corporate brand kind of thing where you give someone a chunk of money and they mm. post a bunch of shit on their, on their Instagram about you. And that's not the way we like to build relationships. Like we like to find people that are doing really cool yeah. shit and actually support what they're doing. So for example, um, you know, there's a couple of, a couple of musicians where we've paid for their flights in order for them to, to be able to do their tour 
or we've supported raw, right. raw, raw materials for an artwork or we've helped someone um, invest in equipment that they need for a sporting event. And so we like to kind of look at people who are doing stuff that we really think is very cool and then actually give them the resources they need to do what they need to do um, rather than it being this kind of traditional ambassadorship, transactional type relationship. And so I think that's that's really worked well for us. And for the most part, we work with people who just love our product and love our brand from the outset. Like we don't cold call amb- ambassadors or influencers. We tend to work with people who are mates of mates and, and tend to kind of operate within yeah. our own network. And that's you know, that's worked really well for us, I think. It reminds me of like how the, I'm going to say Epochi, you know, the sunglasses, no Dion and that crew, like, um, kind of like 2015, Mm. how they used to operate and like their whole culture and how they used to put stuff out. They, you just wanted to hang out with them and be their friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So well. Yeah. And I mean, we've got like such a cool crew of people at Heaps Normal as well that are just out there in the community all the time. And I think that's a really important thing for us as well. Like, you know, where you would assume that as a non-alcoholic beer brand, we're going to be at home in bed by 9 p.m., but um, we're out there until <laughs> like, we're out there until 2, yeah. 2 or 3 a.m. partying with the alcoholic breweries and with the musicians and with the bands. So that that is such an important part of it as well. Do you personally drink Oh, yeah. Alcohol? I drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> So with something at the foundation of like alcoholism, a mm. lot of people have trauma surrounding mm. it and mm. would have chosen Eeps Normal as a social alternative, but at the root of it, there's a lot of hurt. Alcoholism is quite close to me yeah. and I know it intimately, that feeling of being exhausted from what alcohol can do to somebody mm. close to you. Mm. To read something like, think like the good time shouldn't be wasted mm. is so oh just like hit yeah. so how when you're affecting people at like a deeper level with mm. the cause how do you kind of nurture that and have you do you guys connect with people that are on the heavier side of this social change yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we've made a conscious decision as a brand to focus too much on on like the negative impacts of alcohol consumption and, and on talking mm. about that. Um, like we reckon that most people are aware of those impacts and there are a lot of brands and organizations out there, particularly in the mental health space, that are much better equipped to deal with those kind of heavier messages and heavier mm. conversations than we are. Um, but we... We support a lot of those organizations and a lot of individuals who are, who are driving change in that world. We just don't go out as a brand and say, alcohol is bad. You should stop drinking. Fuck alcohol. Because that's, that's, yeah. that's not going to cut through with, with our audiences. People do not like being told what to do. Um, and so we've made a deliberate choice as a brand to not, um, preach sobriety, but what we do instead, I think, which, which works quite well is we, we highlight stories of individuals who've overcome their own personal challenges and, and, and have created their own version of normal, whether that is, you know, going completely sober or not. And, and we celebrate those mm. people. And, you know, I think of a couple of examples like Zoe Tarakis, who's a, a trans actor whose story we told in our normal people film series, like by putting mm. those sorts of stories, platforming and putting those sorts of stories out in front of our audiences, that helps us softly communicate the benefits of drinking less and of living life your way for lack of a better term. Um, Mm. and, 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 you know, stops us from being this preachy bunch of sober cultists, which was, which exactly what we wanted to avoid. So I think those, those, those stories can be told without, you know, being direct and, you know, being direct and being heavy about it. How much time do you spend on the social impact of like, selling beer versus the impact obviously like they are one in the same but as a marketer how much are you actually like allocating to your brain Mm. on a day-to-day of like okay i'm working on like the sales that happened over the weekend versus okay i'm working on a blog piece because that impact is going to be really powerful it's going to reach all of our social platforms Mm. and i can't wait to tell this story on normal people yeah i mean it's it's obviously different every day and, and depending on what time of year it is as well. And it's not really a zero sum equation for us. So our drinkers, yeah. our drinkers love it when we talk to the impact we're making on drinking culture, um, on, on the environment, on the beer industry, 
And we then see the direct impacts that those conversations have on beer sales. So we tend, we tend not to do too much kind of direct selling type marketing. Like we've, we don't do a lot of salesy type advertising um, because our drinkers and our audiences kind of see right through that. Um, and so we leave it to our incredible sales team to make sure that the shelves and the fridges are stocked and that the wholesale customers feel supported. But the way that we connect with our audiences is through those that storytelling and through you know, the self-deprecating, not taking ourselves too seriously tone of our brand. And so that, that mm. I think is the thing that, you know, allows us to connect, engage, you know, drive preference amongst our drinkers and ultimately sell the beer. What is your favorite platform at the moment that Heaps Normal's on? Favorite platform? Um, I mean, Instagram's kind of the core thing for us and it has been for the first few years of the business, but we're taking a keen look at TikTok at the moment as well. And I'm super excited about yeah. getting that out there. I think we're, we're behind the eight ball a little bit on the whole TikTok thing, but um, we've just we've just brought on a dedicated social social manager, Caro, who's just joined the team and she's about to you know launch that, which we're super, super excited about. If we take a step back and you've kind of established that you're that your community responds well to you guys sharing long sharing like how it's affecting people's world. Yeah. And you guys have done that in blog form and film and TikToks have to be coming mm. out like every mm. day. How do you approach that with tiny, tiny, tiny videos? I think it just requires a completely separate content strategy. So um, I think gone are the days where you have one content strategy with pillars that work across every single channel, you need to develop a unique content strategy for TikTok. So the kind of content you'll see us putting out on TikTok, although tonally is going to be very consistent with what we do across all all of our other channels, is going to be completely different in terms of the format and the execution. So um, one of the ways that we're going to be using TikTok, I think more so than Instagram is really engaging with our wholesale customers. So our mates in bars, pubs, restaurants, shops, bottle shops, they're, they're really like, right. they're our most powerful channel by, by far. And as someone who never worked in FMCG or, or even with a physical product before, I think I totally underestimated just how important those customers were to our success and how, how vital it is to ensure that, that, you know, we're supporting them and listening to them. And so I think t- one of the things we're going to do in TikTok is, is use that to have conversations with those customers um, and bring their stories to our audiences. So that's, that's going to be something that's really exciting with TikTok. Because creativity and cultivating creativity is so important at Heaps Normal, mm. are you going to, how will you foresee your, your team managing approvals and stuff, or are you going to give Caro free reign? <laughs> I mean, you carry pretty much free reign. Um, Caro, as part of her application process at Heaps Normal, actually um, was briefed on you know what what she would do to launch a new product on TikTok and actually made TikToks. And so, I'm super I'm super confident in you know her ability to um, you know make everything sing on TikTok. Where we try and avoid as much as possible. Um, drawn out approval processes and we operate pretty pretty on the pretty on the flight here's normal which sometimes includes me sitting yeah. at the pub at 11 p.m on a friday night just writing stuff on instagram so um we're we're, we're pretty we're all on the same okay. yeah we're pretty we're pretty uh i wouldn't say loose we're very deliberate in everything that we put out there but um we have a very well understood brand and tone of voice internally that allows us to most of the time sing from the same hymn book. You guys have really made an impact, the environment and B Corp certification and all of that. How does it feel at Heaps Normal? Like what is the feeling that you guys have when you know you're on a train that is doing good for the world? Uh, it feels good. It feels good. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I, as I said before, one of the reasons I came to heaps normal was because of the purpose that sits behind the mission. Um, and I think that really resonates with everyone at heaps normal, you know, where a group of people who probably sit more on the progressive side of, of, um, 
of thinking and of politics and a lot of what we're trying to do as a business speaks to those values, particularly when it comes to not only driving that cultural change, but also things like the environment, the beer industry as well, which has traditionally been very male dominated and not too focused on doing good for the environment that that's changing obviously but i think that means a lot to a lot of people as well so i think everyone's really excited about the fact that we're a b corp the fact that you know we um we look at purpose and impact on the same level as profit I think that means a lot to a lot of people as well we're not just here mm-hmm. to to um, you know, build this thing up and sell it off as quickly as possible. I think the founders and we're all in here for for the long haul, and um, and everyone's really excited about that and being part of this this. And I hate to use the word family, but it is a family, and and we're we're all feeling like you know very very wedded to the to the mission, the values, and, and to that family, which is which is great. Is there a new kind of momentum since becoming B Corp? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's kind of refocused us on. Um, you know, what it means for us to be a purpose-driven organization. And so for us, that that means, you know, focusing on the environment. That's such a big part of why Heaps Normal was started and all of the decisions that we make as a business come back to, you know, what is our impact? I think the other thing that stands out in terms of purpose and our B Corp certification is, um, you know, I focus on diversity and inclusion. Um, particularly, you know, given that a lot of us come from a background in music and arts or have an interest in those worlds, you know, we've seen the lack of diversity and inclusion and representation in those worlds. And for us, a really big focus of our music programming, the type of content we put out, the types of music acts we want to support and give a leg up to is about driving that diversity and inclusion and representation. So um, there's a lot of different ways that B Corp manifests itself, but, you know, it's, it's allowed us to kind of focus on the things that mean the most to us, which is great. When you started working in this particular role, which was product-driven and also just socially very mm. well-equipped to change um, a <clears throat> a uh, identity piece in Australia, I guess, what did, is there anything that you found about the role that you didn't expect to find? Was there like, ch- like, did you change, have to change the way that you were thinking? Oh, a hundred percent. So, you know, I, I came in from relatively large organizations where, um, you know, I had mm. usually quite a big team supporting me and supporting the business. And so I had to basically go back to, you know, myself 10 years ago and, and really put my operational hat back on. And, you know, that involved, um, you know, me doing beer deliveries and me, you know, helping bump in at events and, you know, driving trucks around, moving stuff from event to event, all that sort of fun stuff. And that, um, you know, was a huge mind shift for me back into that world of marketing operations. But it's been awesome because it's, it's meant that, you know, I had to, I had to kind of get stuck back into that operational stuff and, and by doing that learned how the business works and how the marketing operations work day to day. So now as the team is growing, uh, I feel like, you know, the founders and myself and our marketing manager who was here when I started have a really good understanding of how to equip them with what they need to get their jobs done. So, and I mean, the other thing that stood out, as I said before, is, is just how important our wholesale customers are and how important it is to make sure that we have really strong relationships with those customers that they understand the, the, the business and the mission and the, and the values of the business and um, how important it is to, 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 you know, make sure that they're supported and understood and, you know, ultimately they're the ones that are having the, the most number of conversations directly with drinkers. They're the ones, you know, standing next to the fridge, talking them through the beer having those conversations over the bar. Yeah. So that is, I think, the the one thing that I probably completely underestimated before I started here. And people just love to talk about Heaps Normal, which is great. Um, You know, I've worked... (laughs) Exactly. That's what I said at the start. And you were like, really? Yeah, and and just meeting people now and they're like, oh, you work for Heaps Normal. I'm like, yeah, you you know who we are. And, and, And that, you know, even over the past year and a half since I started has changed so much and everyone's really hyped on the brand and really excited to talk about it. Um... That is, that's been such an incredible experience to work somewhere where people genuinely love what you're doing. Like I often talk about my, my kind of career mm. history. I worked, I started in banking. So I started in an industry where everyone yeah. fucking hates you. And then I went to the, I went, <laughs> I went to the opera house where everyone loves you. 
And then I went to a property yeah. developer where no one knows what the fuck you are. And then I went to Heaps Normal where you kind of this, it feels like you're strapped to a rocket ship. So it's been a really cool experience to jump yeah. between those different industries and see, you know, see how people react to the brands and, and you know, the, the role you play. It's funny how it does things for your ego too. Like I, a lot of the podcast listeners know that I run the Kmart TikTok. Oh, wow. And pe- people are like, oh my God, Kmart? <laughs> yes Kmart and they're like wow like that's and because Kmart's essentially a national treasure but it is really tricky obviously when yeah. they have business like eight billion dollar business there's a lot of stock issues yeah. a lot of Gen Z is speaking to us in capitals and I feel like they're yelling and I don't know what's going on so it's good to just it's good to just like it's good to remove your ego from it yes but it does help when you're strapped to a rocket ship (laughs) (laughs) it does it does definitely help when you're strapped to a rocket ship and i much prefer introducing myself as a guy that works at heaps normal than a guy that works at a bank a hundred percent yeah so as a marketer or you in general how much do you let data inform what you do yeah i mean data is a useful tool in your tool belt but it's not everything and it should never be everything and of course data can be perceived and manipulated in a bunch of different ways. So we kind of use it as a performance indicator, but we certainly don't use data as the only um, tool to drive our decision-making. Like we use our brand and our brand guidelines and our understanding of the brand to make a lot of decisions. We use intuition. A lot of the time we use relationships with the industries that we work with a lot of the time. So Data is great. I think marketing has gone through, is coming out the other side of the data obsession of a few years ago. And a lot of marketers are realizing that, well, a lot of marketers are realizing that it's bullshit. A lot of CFOs and CEOs are realizing that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of snake oil. So it's a tool, but it's not everything. How do you feel about learning new data and AI, like Tim as a person? Yeah. How do you feel about that world? Yeah, I mean, I... As a marketer, I think, you know, I need to be on, on the cusp of those things. So I am in the process of learning more and more about AI. I tend to look at things like AI cautiously because as a mar- mm. as, as someone who's worked in marketing for 15 years now, you know, I've seen so many technology trends come and go, um, you know, whether it's augmented reality or, um, cryptocurrency or, um, you know, whatever it is, a lot of these things go through the same journey before they reach a sense of Mm -hmm. ubiquity and normality. And one of the tools I think is most useful for any marketer looking at new technologies is this thing called the Gartner hype curve. And basically every piece Mm -hmm. of technology goes through this, this journey where it's super hyped, a bunch of really rich marketers get on board and use the shit out of it. Then it becomes really uncool for a while. Then gradually it comes back up and reaches a sense of normality and ubiquity. And um, I tend to view AI within that realm as well. That, you know, let the cashed up marketers do some fun stuff with it, then let it settle down for a while. And then maybe we'll look at how it's going to be used, um, you know, more practically for small and medium businesses. Um, but yeah, and, and I think from a data perspective, there, there's always, as I said, data can be manipulated in a billion different ways. There's always new data points being made available through all the different platforms. There's always different data lenses through which to view marketing performance. But um, I think if you can pick some fundamentals and stick to those, that's that's the most important thing. And try not to be distracted by the shiny new toys. Yeah, that's a very good point. The new toys stress me the fuck out. I even yeah. get like when you're on TikTok and people being like, why don't you have a online this? Like, why do you not have an empire? La, yeah. la, la. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. Yeah, I always go back. There, there's um, a guy named Scott Brinker who runs Chief Martech, which is a really cool blog for marketing technology. And every year he produces this this um, visual map of all of the marketing technologies that are available out there. And I think when I started in marketing, there was something like a couple of thousand pieces of marketing technology out there. I think there's, there's more than 40,000 different marketing technology tools you can use now, which... It's impossible to know even the categories in which they exist, let alone the number of platforms themselves. So you've just got to stick to the fundamentals for your business and every now and then maybe take a look at a new thing, but don't get distracted by all the new toys that are kind of coming out and flashing around because for the most part, they're going to 
churn and burn within the first couple of years and, you know, you you just need to focus on the things that are important to your business. Is there anything that Heaps Normal's done that you were like, this is going to be so good and it hasn't necessarily landed properly or the way that you would have thought? Um, I don't know about it, Heaps Normal. I feel like everything that we've done at Heaps Normal has landed in its own special <laughs> certain way. There are definitely examples from previous roles, like going back to that example of, um, of you know, flashy new technology, there was a campaign that I that I led when I was at the Opera House where we built a chat bot based on and 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 um, stay with me here based on the Opera House seal. So there's a seal that sunned itself on the steps of Sydney Opera House, and we decided to turn that into like a personality and then and then turn that into a chat bot so that people could log into Messenger and figure out what's on at the Opera House, ask it questions about the right. history of the Opera House, blah 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 blah. And anyway, we, we launched this thing by floating a giant 30-foot inflatable seal down Sydney Harbour and doing a big press campaign around it, and it absolutely flopped. Like, it was, it was, it was probably the worst thing that I've ever had a hand in in my career, I reckon. And um, I think it, it goes back to that point. No. And it goes back to that point about not getting too distracted by the shiny new toys um, and, yeah. and not – that was me just being kind of like totally sucked into a new technology and also a little bit of like confirmation bias as well, where, you know, once, once I have an idea, it's really difficult for me to, you know, pull back on it. So those, those two, mm. the, the biggest two learnings from that are, you know, don't be distracted and, and don't be afraid to call bullshit on something, even if you're halfway down the path. Um, those, those two learnings have been really, really important for me in my subsequent career. And so, I think, I think it heaps normal. Like we've, everything that we've done has landed in a relatively good way. And that comes back to the governance we have around the brand. Like everything that we do, you know, is crafted collectively by the founders, by myself and the rest of the marketing team. So there's always a really great breadth of perspectives there that make sure we don't put out too much shit. If you were back at the opera house now and you were to stop the seal project, Mm half the way there bureaucratically because obviously the opera house you've got quite a few heads of department that signed off on the seal Mm. how would you do that would you just go up to them and say hey guys like put up your hand and be like i don't believe in this project anymore sorry that you've put your resources into it like a lot of people i think would totally resonate with yeah calling bullshit on an idea that they don't think is going to stick when they're halfway down the line but that's a complicated thing to interject something that you've had a hand mm. in and be like, yeah, nah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when people already have invested resources, like, do you have any advice on how you would in hindsight do that? I mean, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to suck. Uh, but r- 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 <laughs> ripping the bandaid off always does. So, um, you know, you just got to do it. It's got to rip the bandaid off as quickly as possible. Um, I mean, even if I went back now and, and did it all again, you know, there might've been a different way that I'd approach it. I don't know if I'd necessarily go back and can the whole thing, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really tough one, but I think in, if you're in doubt, the best thing to do is to, you know, find the people that you trust the most who are closest to you, rip that bandaid off and have an open discussion about it. There's a lot of um, creative people, obviously that listen to process mm. because it is bridging the gap between creativity and commerce Mm. in the Australian and now international industry. So conversations like that of like, what would you have done is like a situation that I can imagine. And I've been in Mm. myself, even like at a micro scale of like pitching TikToks. And then I go to shoot them and I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, Or obviously much, much bigger, Mm. bigger project that I've been involved in and had a hand or asked to direct. And at the start, I've been like, yeah, this creative so good. Mm. And then, you get there and you're like, how am I going to make this work? Mm. So asking for little tidbits of advice, I feel like never go astray because people can always relate to that. Yeah, piece definitely. Of like I've fucking started something and how do I put a stop to it with my ego and mm. everyone else's time? Mm. Like even I had a thing last year called the trend tea that I put out, um, which was I sent a whole bunch of people all the latest TikTok and Reels trends weekly, like mm. the ones that are like top of um, trends to stop people from having to go on TikTok and find them themselves. Um, but also I provided like ideas around it, really like bare bones, beginner kind of stuff. Yeah. But it And it worked. 
but I didn't like the way that I set it up. And I canned the project after about two months and I just sent like a big cohort email to be like, hi, thanks so much for supporting me. I'm shutting this down um, because it's not resonating with me. And I actually don't, I'm pro- I was procrastinating like away from actually doing the mm. work for it because I was like, maybe I don't actually like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to like give myself a hard talk yeah. to be like, huh. but it's hard with creativity when you do that, I think, because like creativity is rare mm. and like I think everyone can be creative, but to be in a creative industry and excel yeah, and be paid for your creativity and then go back on it and be like, ooh, no, I want to mm. pivot. It's. I, I mean, I, I think there's there's a couple of things in that. One is giving yourself as you're coming up with a, you know, as you're moving from a concept through to execution, giving yourself time to sit with things is important um, because if you're moving too quickly, you're mm. just going to fall victim to that inertia and make bad decisions. So, um, you know, trying to even if it's baking in, you know, a couple of days or a night for you to mull over stuff. Um, as it moves through those various stages from concept mm. to execution, I think gives you freedom to challenge things um, and gives you space to challenge things and think through things practically and 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 put the brakes on that inertia momentarily. I think that's really like really really important. Um, and then the other thing that um, stands out for me at Heaps Normal is we have another rule that is if you're not having fun or you're not excited enough to tell your mates about this thing that you're working on, then maybe don't do it or challenge it. And so that has been a really important one for us as well, because it means that we avoid churning out, you know, lukewarm crap for lack of a better term. Um, and we're, we're really focused on doing stuff that feels exciting and fun and that's going to resonate with our audiences and with our drinkers. And so that, that rule has been really important. And it's, it's meant that sometimes we get something to execution. We film something we're like, "Mm, no, it doesn't feel right. Let's can it. Um, and, and we have to be okay with that. Um, and, and, you know, make sure that we're prioritizing, putting stuff out that feels right rather than putting stuff out just to keep volume up. When you say heaps normal has a Mm. rule, how does a brand establish a rule? It's, it's almost like a checklist. I, I, it's probably better to describe it as a checklist rather right. than a rule. And these are checklists that have emerged over time as we've realized what works and what doesn't. And so when I sat down with the team and wrote the marketing strategy for this year, we actually, we said to ourselves, like, what are the things, like, what are, what, what's the checklist for us? Like, what's going to mean that we're going to be producing the kind of stuff that we like and that our audience is going to like? And, Two of the things that came out of that were, um, you know, could any other brand do it? If the answer is yes, then then we're probably not going to do it. Does it right. excite? Does it excite us? And are we having fun doing it? If the answer is no, then we're probably not going to do it. So they're not hard and fast rules. We don't live and die by the sword of those, but um, we use them as kind of guidelines for making sure that on average we're putting out the best mm. stuff we can. When you think of a new idea. And it has to be executed quickly. Mm. How quickly? I, I get the sense you guys are very agile. How quickly can you turn around a creative idea at Hips Normal? Oh, pretty quickly. I mean, 10, t- 10 to 15 times more quickly than I could have done it in previous roles. And that's because we've got that small agile team. We've also, we're also surrounded by a really cool network of creatives that can just execute stuff for us really quickly. And that's been super valuable. So, yeah. so you know, obviously we don't have every single skill set at Heaps Normal. We don't have photography, videography, copywriting. We do have a little bit of copywriting, but um, we've just surrounded ourselves with really cool people that just get our brand and, and we can give them a brief and they can just execute it to a T really quickly. So that um, has definitely been something that we've worked on over the past year and a half is, is building that creative network up around us. That's allowed us to be even more agile. Is there an example of something that you guys reacted to really quickly based in like the pop culture yeah. or whatever zeitgeist that you're like, yeah, we fucking smashed that? Yeah, there was a lot, I think late last year, early. <laughs> Smile on your face. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that excites me the most. Like, there's, um, and this is where our brand tone of voice is, is just so, uh, so powerful. There was a Batuta Advocate article that came out at the end of last year or the beginning of this year that said, something along the lines of non-alcoholic beer brand needs to shut the fuck up about being um, healthier and blah, blah, blah. And so we, we just jumped on it. I screenshot the Batuta Advocate article 
reposted it onto our Instagram and, and wrote like a really snarky caption, like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're sitting here drinking our almond infused charcoal water and um, we've just come off of a three day silent retreat and just really kind of di- like really trying to ham up the fact that we're a wellness brand. Uh, and that just, it just resonated with our audiences and ended up being one of the most successful posts of those few months. And so people just love it when, you know, we can, can react so positively to something like that and not take offense to it or ignore it, that we just embrace that we're self-deprecating. We don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks. Um, like that is, you know, one of the best aspects of working at Heaps Normal is being able to have fun with that, that sort of stuff. Now that you've got social change kind of like in your, is it a feather in your cap? Is that the saying? (laughs) Uh, sure. We can, we can, go, we can go with that. <laughs> I made that up. No, I think it's a feather under, it's a, a notch on your belt, a feather in your cap, whatever. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, now that you've kind of, <laughs> now that you've got that kind of in, do you think you would ever go back to bureaucratic kind of corporate setups or are you really on the hum of startup social change land? Uh, oh God, who knows? Um, I mean, I'm definitely open to going back to a corporate in the future, but I'd love to bring some of the energy that I found at Heaps Normal into that environment as well, mm. which I know is no easy task. But, um, you know, I think thinking thinking creatively about how to um, address marketing challenges with very little budget has, I think, made me a better marketer and means that when I go to whatever thing I'm doing next, I'm going to have a very new perspective on how to address some of those challenges. And I think that that could apply in any business. And I, and I talk to a lot of marketers about challenges they're having in their businesses. And often, you know, they've got a shit ton more money than we have, but they just can't crack an idea. And, Mm. and, and one of the things that I've learned from the founders is that a question you should ask yourself when you're having those challenges is what would I do if I had 50 times less money? And often the idea that you come up with will be a lot, will be a lot better than what you come up with if you've got, 50 times more money. So that that learning has really changed, I think, the way that I look at marketing. Are they better ideas because often they're much less complicated and they're, the cut through is a little bit more simple because you've got less resources? Or what is the well, reason I think behind a, that? I, I think it's that. I think it's the fact that you the ideas you come up with with zero or little budget tend to be more authentically perceived than those that have a million dollars behind them. Mm. Um they, re- they they force you to be more creative. Like we, and a good example is last year when we were working on our July campaign. Um, you know, we thought, okay, we've got we've got a little bit of money to give away a prize as part of a competition. Um, we don't have fifty thousand dollars like a big major beer brand would to do like an all expenses paid trip to Monaco. So what can we give away that's going to cut through with our fans and? get us the attention that we need, but also, you know, talk to our brand. And, and I was sitting on a couch with a couple of the marketing team and, I'm, and and I think, I think I can't remember whether it was me or someone else said, why don't we just buy like a jet ski, like an eighties jet ski and give that away instead. Mm-hmm. And, and so that came to life over right. a couple of days and all of a sudden we're on Facebook marketplace buying a ridiculous fluoro eighties neon jet ski. And then that became like the centerpiece of our campaign. And I had so many people walking up to me in the street saying, are you guys actually giving away a jet ski? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're giving away, <laughs> giving away a jet ski. Um, so it's that kind of like, like that uh, lack of budget forces you to think creatively and often come up with ideas that no one with a million dollar budget would come up with um, mm. and, and that, uh, that, that cut through and, uh, you know, and are more exciting and more fun than, than what you come up with if you had a huge budget. How, how often are you bringing out new beers? So we've got four beers now. We've got three in our core range and then we've just released mm-hmm. a special, our, our second special release, which is a coffee stout. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're looking at, at releasing a new beer every, you know, six months or so-ish. Is that a lot in the beer world? Not really. I mean, in like is that in fast? the craft beer world, uh, it's probably it's it's actually far less than what would normally be released by a craft brewery. Craft breweries are constantly releasing new beers and doing special releases and limited releases. And once we have our new brewery up and operational, it's going to superpower us to be able to do a lot more of that really super limited run, hyper local kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think at the moment 
it's a lot for a dedicated non-alc brand, of which there mm-hmm. are very few. But in the in the world of craft beer in particular, you know, you just want to be pumping out new stuff all the time. When you said you sit on the couch with the marketing team and you have a new, for example, yeah. the newest beer that's come out, what is your literal process mm. of bringing that to market? Like where do you personally, Tim, begin? Yeah, um, that that process has changed quite a bit with every beer we've released. But the thing that works for us is when we think of the products and the marketing campaign holistically. So we try and come up with a concept for the product that then extends into how we talk about it to the market. Um, a good example of that is the the coffee stat that we just released. So we looked at that as a as an opportunity to talk about um, female and non-binary champions in the food and beverage industry. And so we use that really as the basis of the product itself and then use that as the basis for the marketing campaign. And the whole marketing campaign is built around this idea of profiling really cool F&B venues and owners that are female uh, and non-binary and, and telling their stories um, in the context of and of, of a breakfast chat. And so we've positioned the beer as kind of an all day breakfast beer of champions. So we can sit down, it's kind of, you can sit down within the morning and have a conversation with someone over breakfast about what's going on. And so that, that concept wrapped around the entire product and campaign. And I think we're getting better and better at looking at uh, the product, the liquid, the can, the packaging and the marketing campaign all as one holistic thing, which is I think how it should be done. How do you, literally lead a team with creativity when you're starting that conversation we have really high level creative discussions um asynchronously across the team so when we're very early stages of coming up with a new product i'll just talk to the team about it and i'll talk to the brewer Mm. and i'll talk to whoever we're collaborating with and often those conversations will lead to a little kernel or an insight where you go oh there's something in that and then you roll with that and you get to a point Mm. where it's a fully formed idea um, so, for example, with our hazy beer that we launched at the end of last year, um, we started talking about well, what is a hazy. It's the kind of beer you drink over summer. It's uh, the kind of thing that maybe you have like when you're knocking off early from work. Oh, there's something in that. Uh, and so we, we built that into the idea of the hazy being positioned around the perfect half-day beer. It's the kind of beer that encourages you to take a half-day off that you enjoy when, you, when you're knocking off at 1 p.m. And we built the entire campaign around that idea of knocking off from work early and going to the beach. Um, and right. then that, that translated to how we executed the campaign in marketing, in, in media. We brought a whole bunch of pubs and bars on board to offer free half days on National Half Day Day in December and, and, and really ram home that idea of it being the perfect beer for knocking off early. And so that all came from just a conversation that, that probably happened five times with five different people where we, where we mm-hmm. had enough inertia around that idea to build it into a concept and then flush that out. One of, one of the tools that we've started using now as well that's working really well is the PRFAQ, which is used a lot in, in Agile and, and product, particularly tech product development. And it's idea that when you have an idea, you write a press release about the idea um, so that you're fully fleshing out, bringing it to life with quotes and, and with um, you know positioning and marketing. Um, and writing an FAQ as well. So what are some questions that one might ask of that idea? It allows you to kind of critique that idea as well. So that's a tool that we've started using a lot more that traditionally hasn't been used for marketing concepts and campaigns, but that we found works really well in fleshing out an idea. Very, very cool. So if a new kind of business, not necessarily a new business, so if if a listener wanted to kind of test that out and give that particular press release concept a spin how Mm. would you kind of guide them through it like a press google what a press release has and then do it on your idea yeah i mean uh google's the best way to do anything i reckon um uh, (laughs) just just yeah i I just searched searched prfaq in google and there's a lot of literature on how that tool works a lot of it is focused Mm -hmm. as i said on product development so it goes back to the to the tenets of, of agile product development and thinking about, um, you know, the, the feasibility and, and desirability of a product, but it can be applied to a marketing campaign as well because um, marketing campaigns need to be 
need to tick all those boxes. They need to be appealing and desirable. They need to be, you know, practically feasible. Um, and so it forces yeah. you to think through those things um, in order to get to an idea that, that resonates. And often we'll go through, you know, multiple versions of that press release on an idea before it gets to the point where we're like, okay, that's the thing. Um, so it's a good tool for collaboration as well um, and for really getting to the crux of an idea or a concept. Do you often have a couple of concepts running at one time to be like, oh, which oh, yeah. one are we going to choose? Oh, yeah. Like I'm thinking about the, the concept for our latest product that we're working on at the moment. Um, and I think I started with four separate concepts for that. Right. And then we've kind of we've, we've, we've kind of chopped and chosen bits and pieces from each into one that we're now focused on um, bringing to life. So, yeah, definitely – from a marketing perspective, working on multiple concepts at the beginning simultaneously so you can get to the mm. one that's best and separate the wheat from the chaff is is definitely useful. Is there anything on your marketing journey that you've kind of picked up about creativity and how to foster it and how to work in a team that is creative that you carry with you through your career now? Uh, it's to find time to be inspired, I think, Um it's really difficult to do this, but I try and encourage all the teams that I lead to spend at least five or ten percent of their time every week just looking at stuff, looking at other people's mm. creative work. You know, and that's not just marketing; it could be you know design, it could be literature, it could be music, it could be um, photography, whatever you know you get inspired by. Make sure that you don't lose sight of that and have your finger on mm. the pulse of what is good out there in the world and. For me, that's as simple as things like, you know, making sure that I'm checking in on Pinterest every couple of days and just tagging and sharing the stuff that I like, making sure that I'm following brands that I love on Instagram and, you know, sharing that with the team when I see something I really love. Um, subscribing to really good design newsletters, like things like It's Nice That, which is one of my favorite newsletters yeah. that, that collates a lot of the best creative work out there in the world. Um, that That is, for me and, and for the teams that I've worked for, a really good place to start is just making sure that you're engaged with what's happening out there in the world creatively and sharing that amongst yourselves. So we have like a creative inspo um, message thread on Instagram where we just share stuff all the time as a team. Like if we see something on Instagram, mm. we just send it to that inspo group and everyone gets to see it. We've got a Slack channel dedicated to ins marketing inspiration. We try and dedicate a bit of time every week in our marketing team meeting to sharing stuff that we've seen out there that we like. And, and talking about yeah. why we like it and talking about why it's good or why it's bad. Um, so that I think is, is you know, for, for me at least the most important thing. Is there anything that you'd say to like young Tim about where you are now and like trusting your creative instincts and stuff? I would tell young Tim to take more time off probably, to be honest. Really? We yeah. yeah. No, not a hustler, but I've just, you know, just, I think it's important to, you know, take, take time out and spend time, especially when you're young traveling and doing all that stuff that you can't necessarily do when you're a bit older. So that's probably the one thing that stands out the most, but in terms of, of creativity, um, I'd probably tell younger Tim to focus more on creating things outside of work. Um, and finding, uh, yeah. finding, finding creative pursuits. Like, you know, I did music when I was younger, but I found that having a, having a little creative outlet, whether it's music or painting or sculpting or writing or whatever it is for you, like that helps you stay on the ball of your own creativity and helps you engage your creative mind and keep it, keep it humming. From what you've said about the creatives and stuff that Heaps Normal use, it does seem to be like you've got a pretty incredible community established. But mm. if somebody loved heaps normal and wanted to shoot for you guys or wanted to kind of introduce themselves into mm. this community that you guys have cultivated and is obviously working very well how would you recommend people introduce themselves yeah i mean um check out our website i'd say it's the best place we've got uh, a little mm. section on our website called normal friends which provides a mm -hmm. bunch of information on how people can reach out and get in touch and and the sorts of things that we support and how we support them. So yeah, check out our website and, and there's a couple of email addresses there that they can reach out to us on to get in touch. Um, that's probably the best way I reckon. Or just hit me up on the LinkedIn. What's next for you and for Heaps Normal? We'll start with you. What are you personally up to? Uh, I am 
I am very busy planning our next couple of beer releases, looking at, you know, our music festival mm-hmm. for this year. I am at Heaps Normal for the long haul at, at this stage, so I'm not really looking too <laughs> far forward at the moment. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I did uh, I did a little stint on the Observership program last year, which is a program to help people get onto arts and not-for-profit boards. And so I, I did a little mm-hmm. stint there working at Carriage Works with their amazing board, and so that's probably something that I'll look at you know, towards the end of the year next year is looking at maybe getting on a small arts board again and helping a little org doing cool things, you know, helping them kind of navigate the thorny world of not-for-profit arts. Um, so that's probably the yeah. next next thing for me personally. And then, yeah, for Heaps Normal, big, big things for this year. Biggest thing is the brewery. So getting that um, built and ready and hopefully operational in about a year's time. And it does take a while to to build a brewery. There's a lot of moving parts. So um, that's the mm. biggest thing for this year. And then hopefully just getting more beers out, continuing to, you know, do more fun, cool events that we can go to and have fun at. Um, so, yeah, big a continuing Amazing. big year ahead for Heaps Normal. Well, thank you so much for spending all this time with me. No How worries. is your social battery? Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm not. You're not in person, so it's different. <laughs> I don't have to worry about where I'm putting my hands and, and <laughs> things like that. True. So that brings me to the end of the episode with Tim. If you haven't had one of the Heaps Normal beers, go and have one. They're great. And follow them on Instagram because they just put out some really cool stuff, and you can see how and why and now that this conversation with Tim has happened I just get it and I love that we had the opportunity to go under the hood as usual if you loved this episode please share it with a friend or leave a review that would be amazing we're stepping into a new financial year and we will see sponsors coming to the podcast very soon so if you want to leave a review we need all the love that we can get Thank you so much for listening and we have a great episode next Sunday, so I cannot wait to see you then.